Hey everyone, Mundo here. If you would like to support the show, please head to patreon.com slash crimeandcourtusa. What's up, everyone, and welcome to episode 28 of Crime and Court USA. I'm your host, Mundo Carrillo, recording this on November 24th, 2021. I hope you guys are doing well. So, sorry there was no episode last week, but I threw my back out again, so it was pretty much impossible to sit down and to work for like more than five minutes at a time. <laughs> So yeah, all last week I was just basically stretching, doing little back exercises to try to get that back into shape. Yeah, you know, I was Wednesday, I recorded on Wednesday, so I was Wednesday, kind of rolled around, I was like, no thanks. And Thursday and Friday, I was like, maybe I'll just put out like a late episode, especially since the Kyle Rittenhouse verdict came in late last week, and I definitely wanted to cover that. I'm definitely going to cover that this week, but I still wasn't feeling well last week, so I was like, you know, I'm just going to take the week off, I guess, and rest up and come back strong this week. So I'm still hurting, (laughs) still a little sore. It's definitely getting better. I could actually sleep now. Like I wasn't sleeping for more than two hours at a time because the pain would just wake me up, but I'm a little better now. Just feels a little sore, a little stiff. So yeah, this is, this is still going to be a more laid back kind of episode because yeah, like I said, it's kind of hard and to sit down and do all the research that I normally do, but um, there's definitely a lot, there's a lot to talk about this week. So um, there are some trials that we need to talk about first off the Kyle Rittenhouse trial and then the uh, the trial and the uh, death of Ahmad Arbery. But first off, there are a couple of news items I want to discuss. First, six people have now died after someone drove their car through a parade in Waukesha, Wisconsin, on Sunday, November 21st. The youngest victim is an eight-year-old boy, and the other victims ranged in age from their 50s to their 70s. And that incident also left 62 people injured. The suspect is 39-year-old Daryl Williams of Milwaukee. He has had at least 12 convictions going back two decades. That's according to CBS 58 in Milwaukee. The most recent uh, incident with him was uh, three weeks ago where he was accused of hitting a woman he has a child with with his car. And his bail was only set at $1,000, which he was able to pay and then get released the uh, district attorney's office there in uh, Waukesha says it's doing an internal review of that bond because, according to them, it was inappropriately low given the uh, the crime he's accused of. They, I guess, feel like it should have been higher and a little bit harder for him to get out of jail. Um, he is still in jail now. His bond was set at like one or two million dollars. He can't pay that, so he's still in jail. And uh, he is suspected, I was reading that he's suspected of fleeing another crime scene while he was crashing through that parade. I think it's something about a knife fight or something like that. So this guy seems to be involved with a lot of crime (laughs) in his past. I don't know why he was driving through this parade purposely hitting people. It looked like there's a lot of school children. There's just a lot of children in general. I mean, there was like a high school marching band, a lot of people on the sidewalk watching. So it seemed pretty chaotic. All right. And next, I do want to update the Astroworld Festival, a story that I brought you guys a couple weeks ago. Two more people have died as a result of all the chaos at that show. That now brings the death toll to 10. Uh, if you guys recall, I did tell you about a 9-year-old uh, and a 22-year-old who were in critical condition. 
they both have succumbed to their injuries. Next up, a medical examiner says Brian Laundrie died of a self-inflicted gunshot to the head. If you guys recall this story, Laundrie and his fiance, Gabby Petito, left New York in a van this summer and began documenting their trips to national parks in the western United States, you know, doing it for the gram. They had like one YouTube video. So yeah, they were doing the whole, you know, travel blog, social media kind of thing. They did have a brush with police in Utah over a domestic violence incident. They were actually about to charge little Gabby with domestic violence because they found that she was the one who hit Brian during a little scuffle in the van. They didn't charge her, but sometime after that, Brian returned home to his parents' house in Florida in early September without Gabby. So Gabby was reported missing. Her remains were found in Wyoming in, oh boy, when was that? Hold on a sec. Okay, so her remains were found in September. And then a medical examiner found that she died by strangulation and ruled the death a homicide. So in other words, she was strangled by someone else. And then sometime after that, Laundrie went missing in Florida and his remains were later found. And then now his cause of death is gunshot wound to the head. So that brings this whole tragic story to a close. Did he do it? I don't know. (laughs) Okay, so that's about all for those quick items. Now let's go on to the big trials we had. So on Friday, November 19th, a jury found Kyle Rittenhouse not guilty of killing two men and wounding another during a night of protests in Kenosha, Wisconsin last year. So Rittenhouse was only 17 at the time when he went to Kenosha from his home in Illinois last August because the owner of a business in Kenosha had requested that he come and help protect his property. There was a lot of unrest in the city. There were several nights of protests and things like that because a uh, black man, Jacob Blake, was shot in the back by police and was paralyzed from the waist down. Now, things did seem crazy in Kenosha that night of the Rittenhouse shooting. Based on videos that were shown to the jury and that were shown during trial, there's just a lot of people clashing with each other. You know, tensions were rising. And during one of these clashes, Rittenhouse shot and killed 36-year-old Joseph Rosenbaum and 26-year-old Anthony Huber. And he also injured Gage Grosskreutz. So flash forward to the end of the trial where Rittenhouse was acquitted of one count of first-degree murder. I'm sorry, one count of first-degree reckless homicide two counts of first degree recklessly endangering the safety of another, first degree intentional homicide, and attempted first degree intentional homicide. He did shoot at some other people as well and didn't hit them, so he was charged with uh, shooting at them as well. And Judge Bruce Schrader did dismiss a misdemeanor count of a minor in possession of a firearm before the case went to jury because he said that the law was too vague, something like that. I didn't really dig into that. That was the least of his worries. That was a misdemeanor count. I mean, he faced life in prison on the murder count, so that was the least of his worries either way. While that verdict was read, Rittenhouse was shaking and crying, and he appeared to collapse onto the floor after all five counts were read. He said on the stand, he was put on the stand, which is rare for a defendant to be put on the stand. You normally don't want the defendant to put their own foot in their mouth, but I guess there are several reasons, I guess. You maybe want the uh, jury to see his humanity, I guess. Maybe you get some kind of fondness for them. Like, oh, hey, I like Kyle or something. I don't know. There are several reasons why you would or wouldn't. In my experience, it seems pretty rare that a defendant gets put on the stand. Again, you don't want the prosecutors to cross him up, make him look foolish, make him look inconsistent. And you just want the state to put on their case. You just want to kind of stay quiet about it the whole time. You know what I mean? So 
Anyhow, he said on the stand that, that he basically acted in self-defense, and then he started crying uncontrollably and shaking when he was describing actually shooting the two guys. And I don't know if, if you guys have seen this online, like people are making fun of him over it. Like he's just like, I don't know, like he almost can't talk, he can't breathe. A lot of people, well, not a lot of people, but I have, I did see somewhere that they believe that he was having a panic attack, that he's prone to having panic attacks. So not that he was just like crying uncontrollably, but that he was actually having a panic attack. And that, that prompted the judge to take a quick break to help him control himself. Yeah, I, uh, I don't, I don't want to make fun of the guy for that, but I haven't seen anyone lose their shit like that on the stand. I've seen people lose it. I mean, you know, an eyewitness sees something crazy. They're recalling the, the moment in their head. They'll start, you know, crying or whatever, but I've never seen anyone straight up have a panic attack. So that was weird. People were, again, making fun of him, acting like he was faking it, stuff like that. I don't want to, I don't want to say if he was faking it or not. Regardless, that happened. So not only did Rittenhouse and his defense team kind of uh, give the argument of self-defense, but they also said that uh, Rosenbaum, one of the victims, wasn't really a good dude. Even the prosecutor acknowledged that he committed crimes that night. Like he started setting some shit on fire. He was just being kind of kind of crazy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, the prosecutor said that he didn't deserve to die over that, though. And the defense attorney said that. I don't think he said it either that he deserved to die, but just that he was just not a good dude, basically. That was kind of his argument. So, of course, this uh, this is very divisive. This is a very divisive verdict. Some people think that it uh, sends a wrong message about vigilantism, you know, taking the law into your own hands, which is something we'll get into when we talk about the next case. But, yeah, people are upset. They think, uh, you know, this is about race. Obviously, this whole thing started because a black man was shot by the police, this particular instance, uh, everybody was white. Rittenhouse, uh, the victims, the people who were shot, everybody was white. But it, it surrounded a case involving a black man shot by police. And in this instance, after the verdict, I see a lot of people um, you know, saying that a white man with a gun isn't being held responsible for their actions. That you could just claim self-defense and uh, you know that, that gives you the right to murder people. Now, with all that said, I, I didn't watch this entire case or this entire trial beat by beat but from what i gathered from from reading coverage of it from, from watching coverage of it it seemed that from the get-go that the prosecution didn't have the strongest case and when you have that going on then you're not likely to succeed of course you never know where the jury is going to go but based on what i saw it seems like the case for self-defense was rather strong and that the prosecution's case was just kind of falling apart as it went along I even saw this theory that the prosecution was trying to tank and trying to get a mistrial so they could basically start all over again. I, I don't know about that, but yeah, it just didn't seem like they have the, the strongest case going. And that's what uh, that's what gets people off, right? Remember that the burden of a proof is on the state, so their case has to be very strong. And when that little bit of doubt, just that little tiny bit of doubt, gets into a juror's mind, then... That's the kind of stuff that gets people off. Just that little bit of doubt. If there's a little bit of a hole in your in your case, then I think that, to me, that's the kind of stuff that, that gets people off. At least gets a mistrial where they can't decide on guilt or uh, guilty or not guilty. While the jury deliberated for like, I think, definitely like three full days, which is pretty long. That That is pretty long. When, when it goes long like that, it seems like it might end in a mistrial just because you would think that since it's taken so long that they just can't decide on something. So I was a little surprised to see the acquittals, the straight, like the straight not guilties. I thought since they were taken so long that they might 
Coming to a mistrial, in which case I'm sure they would try to prosecute Rittenhouse again. But yeah, they took all that time and to come up with not guilty verdicts. So I, I, I kind of I saw that coming, either not guilty or uh, a mistrial. So, and I don't know, I couldn't tell you why the, uh, the state's case wasn't that strong or why the defense case was stronger. But yeah, just, just based on, on the coverage, it just seemed like the state wasn't very strong. And yeah, Kyle Rittenhouse got off. Can't be charged again. Got acquitted. All right, let's go on to the next trial. Now, while now while this was going on and everybody had all the attention on the Kyle Rittenhouse trial, the trial in the death of Ahmad Arbery was also going on in Georgia. And on Wednesday, today, the day that I'm recording this podcast, all three men involved in the death of Ahmad Arbery were found guilty of murder. So Arbery, who was a 25-year-old black man, was shot and killed in Brunswick, Georgia on February 23rd, 2020. He was out for a jog when 65-year-old Gregory McMichael and his son, 35-year-old Travis McMichael, chased him down in a truck and tried to cut him off. The McMichaels, who are white, suspected that Arbery was responsible for a recent string of burglaries in the area and had recognized him from surveillance footage where he was seen entering an unfinished home or, you know, like an under construction home several times, uh, mostly at night. And so they recognized him and they claimed that they were trying to do a citizen's arrest. And William Bryan, who is 52, filmed the encounter and was also charged with the murder. Travis McMichael got out of the truck after they cut him off uh, with a shotgun and he and Arbery started fighting over the gun. And then the gun went off several times striking and killing Arbery. Travis McMichael said on the stand during the trial that he feared for his life during his struggle for the shotgun and uh, was, um, yeah, I guess another another self-defense claim, I suppose. Now, at the time of this incident, it was legal in Georgia for civilians to hold someone until the cops get there, and it's legal to openly carry weapons. So at the time of this incident, there were some questions as to whether there was even a, a crime or not. Since then, though, state lawmakers in Georgia have passed, or, or sorry, have repealed the citizens' arrest law and passed a hate crime law. Now, there was a little bit of, little bit of corruption, possibly, surrounding this case as well. The, the former Brunswick prosecutor, who has since been voted out of office, was indicted for showing favor to Gregory McMichael, who is a former police officer and a former investigator in her office. The next district attorney who got the case later recused himself for other reasons. But in a letter to the uh, the law enforcement agency investigating this, he said like he didn't feel like there was enough evidence to prosecute. And then Brian's video, one of the defendants, his video went viral. It leaked in May 2020, and that sparked outrage and put pressure on charges to be filed. So the defendants were eventually charged with aggravated assault false imprisonment, malice murder, and felony murder. Malice murder requires an intent to kill, and felony murder is the felony that causes the death. I believe all these men were charged with felony murder, so in other words, they committed felonies that caused the death of Ahmaud Arbery. So their sentencing hearing has not been set, as far as I could tell, but they also do face federal hate crimes, because as federal prosecutors allege, they uh, tracked down Arbery because he was black because of his race. So they are expected to go to trial on those charges sometime next year, I believe in February. So this case is the opposite from the Rittenhouse trial in the sense 
that it seemed like the defense was on the losing side of it going through the proceedings. You know, like they're the ones who had the uphill battle. One defense attorney said during closing arguments that Arbery didn't stop to face the consequences of his actions during that citizen's arrest, like he should have stopped, you know, and like listened to their commands, basically. Now, this statement made it seem like Arbery was responsible for his own death, and I just wouldn't think statements like that would play too well for a jury, at least compared to the state's argument that basically they were just not justified in, uh, in, in killing him. So, yeah, it just didn't seem like the best argument from the defense. It seemed to me, if I'm just kind of summarizing their argument, that they were just entitled to do this citizen's arrest. And that there was also this the, the possibility they put out there that Arbery, that when he pulled the, the shotgun away from Travis McMichael, that he basically could have caused Travis's finger to pull the trigger. So he essentially shoot shot himself. But yeah, it looks like they uh, those arguments didn't play too well because I think the jury deliberated for, I don't know. Not that long. See, they got it Tuesday. They came back Wednesday. So not even, like, about a day. They came back with about a day. So not too long. I think they decided kind of quickly that these guys were guilty. That's not long in murder deliberation. Like a day of, of deliberating, not long at all. So they just went through and found that they were guilty. Yeah, I think it's crazy that trials this big, you know, surrounding race and stuff like that were going on at the same time. And not only that, the uh, Elizabeth Holmes trial, the Theranos founder, that that big fraud trial, that's going on as well, too. I think the jury may even got that. No, I think closing arguments are probably happening today. I'll probably have that in the next episode. But man, all the, these big trials are going on all at the same time. It's kind of the way it was when I was a reporter, too. Like, you know, nothing would be happening. Then all of a sudden, all the trials would be going on at the same time. But yeah, the, the, uh, the Rittenhouse verdict, that's very divisive. You know, like the Republicans, it seems to be like a Republican martyr. I saw him on, on the Fox Newses, you know, being interviewed and all that, being praised by Republican lawmakers. So that that, one, that one's very divisive. The Arbery verdict, I haven't seen too much divisiveness. It's, it pretty much seems like, yeah, those guys murdered that dude. You know, it seems pretty cut and dry. So, yeah. Anyhow. All right. That is about all for this week guys my back's feeling better so hopefully i'll be back strong next week back strong <laughs> you like that uh anyways um so yeah share the podcast with your friends share it with your enemies help me grow the audience help me spread the word of crime and court usa check out the patreon page patreon.com slash crime and court usa throw me a few bones a month if you can But if not, you know, I just appreciate you guys listening. All right, folks, until next time, my name is Mundo, and I'm out. Peace.